0: I had no idea what was, what was playing, we were singing this, worshiping this morning with, and uh, man, I just tell you what, God is awesome. God is awesome. I just, it, I, this is one of those sets that I, I sing, and I I'm glad, again, I was sitting up front because I was crying, and God, you're wrecking me this morning through worship, uh, but it's also one of those uh, sets that, man, if we just lived it. Come on, church, right? If we just lived it, we just sang huge praises to God, what if we just lived those huge praises to God, those words that just came out of our mouth, what if we just sang, not just sing them, but we lived them out for Jesus? Man, man it is great to be back with you today. Man, it is Sunday. What does that mean, church? It is absolutely our fun day. I love Sundays. I love coming hanging with you. I love singing praises and worship to an awesome God, and I love, love, love celebrating life change to Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on. That's all we got. Give it up for Jesus. Man, this church, we're all about Jesus. We're all about bringing people to Jesus, growing with Jesus, and this morning we celebrate two lives being changed by Christ. Come on. If you're new with us, that's what this light means. Everybody, you're thinking, why is everybody so crazy? All he's doing is pointing to a little light in the corner of the room. With, when you come in and this light is on, that means we're celebrating a life changed by Jesus Christ this week in the ministry of Vertical Church. And today, Jesus, we just praise you for Morgan's salvation. We praise you for Lauren's salvation. Man, we, we will not stop church. Let me just tell you. Come on. Church, let me just tell you, that is 20 people this year have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's 20. Come on. And it's absolutely, we'll never, ever get tired of talking to people and about Jesus and how he changes everything. Hey, good morning to you, those who are joining us online. Man, we love the fact that you are here. I love that not only we have the technology to connect you to the word of truth, but we have the team that makes it possible. You know, the tech team, they're behind the scenes. They don't want to be up in front of anybody, but if it wasn't for all they do, all the stuff reaching you wouldn't make possible. So I'm so thankful that we only have the tech, but we have the team that makes it possible. We're so thankful how you serve Jesus. And again, if you are new with us this morning, welcome to Vertical. Come on, welcome to Vertical. Give it up, church. <clears throat> we love the fact that you are here. We love the fact that you walked in, you're spending a morning with us. We've been praying for you. That yes, we've been praying for you. That God would bring you in that you'd hear the word of truth and your life would be changed with Jesus Christ for all eternity. We're super stoked to you us. We hope that you have a great time with us. This morning, church, I just want to throw this out there real quick. Um, As you can see, we're kind of filling up in in first service on Sunday mornings. Uh, God has been blessing us more than just people coming to Christ. He's he's blessing us with attendance. People want to come and be a part of what God is doing at Vertical Church. And so we have to start thinking missional. Just like we think missional about what we do with the message, we have to think missional about what we do with our lives. And as we continue to grow, I'm going to ask you, I'm actually going to challenge you to Pray. And this one I'm to ask you to pray about. Will you be willing to switch services? Oh, he's messing with my life. Don't do that, Rich. Uh, as we continue to grow, we can only add so many chairs to this room. And what happens is when people come into our parking lot or our auditorium, they see all these people, they feel like, oh, there's no room for me. Oh, this must be too busy of a church. And they'll drive our parking lot right through our parking lot and right out the front door again. And they'll come in and they'll feel all nervous because so many people, they won't come back again. So I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray. We're looking 30 to 50 people to make that shift to second service, to continue to make space so we can continue to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That is being missional with life. And I know I'm messing with some people's lives. I get that. I'm a pastor. That's my job. But as I'm asking you to pray about that, would you? would you? Would you join me and pray about that? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's people who are watching online who are normally here. We have no idea. But we want to continue to make room to reach more people with the message of hope. Amen, church? Amen. All right. So this morning, we're stepping into this new series, a series called Struggles, a series that is taken in part from a book that Craig Rochelle put out, Pastor Greg Rochelle, he put out several years ago. But what I love about this series that we're stepping into is absolutely simple. It's a simple series. Many times, you and I, we, we don't, we overlook the simple. When we come to church, we want to hear the deep revelations of the truth and be moved. And when just somebody, oh, heaven opened up and glory came down and everything was absolutely changed, right? We look for those moments. But we many times we overlook the simple, The simple things right in front of us, we think we've got them covered. We think they're no big deal to our lives. We never fully realize what the simple and how it actually impacts our lives. Now, let's be honest. This is up here and, and it says hashtag struggles. Who here thought, why in the world is there a number sign in front of struggles? Don't be embarrassed. Oh, there's two of you who are real right now. Okay, so in the digital world, the number symbol is called a hashtag. It's used to, on social media platforms to create groupings of things. So when, people, when a post is put out on the social media, and someone uses a phrase like this, we see this on our, our Facebook page all the time, hashtag my vertical church, right? You see that on our posts all the time. Why? Because what it does, it takes all the things you, that have that hashtag in it and it groups them together it brings this central idea so when you post stuff I love my church put hashtag my vertical church on there and it pulls it all together and if you click on it you'll see all the posts with that hashtag on it it get collective ideas bringing people from diverse world together in the digital world so that's what hashtag is and I guess there's this old thing people used to do this like hashtag just double tap do it with me double tap Half of you did it. Do it. Okay, so now you're all up to date to about 2010, okay, (laughs) because that's what went out the window. But over the past 15 to 20 years, social media has gone from being an idea to someone's head to an overwhelming force in our society. Social media, like it or not, is shaping our culture, and it will continue to shape our culture, what it looks like. If you're old enough, you know what MySpace is. And yeah, other people are like, what is MySpace, right? Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, TikTok—all have stepped into the world of our digital social communities, and without many of us actually knowing it, it has disrupted many areas of our lives. As much good. As we believe that social media has added to our lives, they has also brought in so much distortion in our lives. Distortion of what reality is. Social media has multiplied insecurities in the people's lives who live every single day around us. It fills us with doubt. Social media gave people another avenue to hurt and dismiss others. And I don't think when social media was created, anyone ever saw this coming, the damage it is doing to people around us. Social media started on a computer and quickly moved into our, what we find in our hands, this thing called a smartphone, right? It moved on a computer and moved to our hands. We, all, we used to have to sit down and log into social media and do our scrolling that way but now we can be real time, anytime, anywhere by using a social media app on our phones. By the way, my generation is the first generation of smartphones. Meaning that in my generation, this thing that I'm holding in my hands and that many of you have in your hands this morning or in your pockets or in your purses, it was created in our generation Things have been drastically changed in the lives of people based on these phones, especially with social media added. My kids have never known anything different. Never. We've always had a smartphone. There's always been social media. There's always been a part of my life. And what's in your hand, what's in your pocket right now has the power, has more power to influence you, me and our kids than we ever could imagine or were willing to admit to this morning. We have become a generation or generations that are so distracted. Just several weeks ago, Stephanie and I were down at the uh, Sam's Club, and we swing it in there, and I go to Sam's Club. Really, I go there for two reasons. One, they have amazing hot dogs. They're massive hot dogs for $1.49. Um, someone gave me an amen back there. It was a clap. Um, <laughs> And the other thing why we go through for gas is gas is cheap. So we're getting in line. If you ever go down there, it's absolutely a madhouse. People are lined up. They have all these pumps and are lined up for, for days with people. And I'm trying to get around this car, and it was one car won't move up. I'm like, if you just move up three feet, I can pull around and get to my pump. Three feet, three feet, right? And they weren't moving. And finally, they moved up enough where I could get around them. And I pull around and get to my pump, and I'm sitting there, start pumping. And I'm looking in the the car at the pump next to us, they're gone. And they pull up and they're gone. And the car that wouldn't move for me is still sitting back there four cars back. And I'm looking back, I'm like, what in the world are they doing? And it's got so bad someone behind them walked up and knocked on their window. Could you move, please? Right? And so I look up and this is what they're doing. Husband and wife sitting in the car. A bomb could have gone off. The whole place could have exploded. They would have no idea. They were so distracted on their phones. And I'm not, I am not saying they're on social media, but there's a good a chance if you're just sitting there scrolling like this, you are. So, yeah, we become distracted. If you are here and you do not engage in social media, you might be already thinking, listen, Rich, uh, what can I get from this series? I don't use social media. It doesn't affect me. I'm not on social media. Uh, So here's two truths I want to give you this morning as we walk through this series. First truth is this. The topics that we are discussing and walking through this series are relevant for you. Right? Social media is the subject that we're using to pull that out, to talk, have a conversation about it. But the topics we're walking through point directly to you. They are biblical principles that every single one of us in the room can live by. The second truth. The results of social media still impact you. You don't have to be on social media to feel the effects of social media. There's a good chance everyone in this room you have, if you're not on it, your kids are on it or your grandkids are on it or your neighbors are on it or your coworkers are on it. Everybody's on social media around you. So what it does, it directly impacts you. Two truths. It's relevant and impacts you even if you're not on it. Now listen, I don't think social media is necessarily evil. Just like everything else, social media can be used for good and to glorify God, and I I would love to see that more and more. But there are some aspects of it we didn't see coming that have become very damaging. Have you ever stopped and asked, when it comes to social media, what has it done to us? How has social media shaped your life? How has it impacted what you do and what you say to others and how you interact to other people around us? How is it affected how we look at ourselves and how we present ourselves to the world around us? Have you ever stopped and asked that? Let me just tell you, friends, we're going to talk about this next week, the authentic you, but there are so many filters on, on uh, social media, so you take yourself and you put that up there, you can change so many things about you that you're not you who you're posting. I'm not sure I understand. Siri does not understand. <laughs> what is it doing or what has it done to our kids? I think we need to answer that question. All the parents in the room said amen. Amen. And those of those who want to discount me about our children, this kids thing, studies show that right now that 59% of our teens have experienced abusive online behavior. 59% of our teens, 13 to 17, have experienced abusive, Online behavior, cyberbullying, exploding, overwhelming with depression. Church, this is affecting our kids. So, as we step into this series, um, we, need, we need to figure this whole thing out. Our goal is to understand the impact that social media has in our lives to follow Jesus. How do we use it to glorify God, right? Instead of ourselves and, and other people, things around us pushing everything back to God. So, we're going to answer one question. One question is the goal. How do we live Christ centered lives in a selfie centered world? How do you and I live Christ centered lives in a selfie centered world? How do we combat the negative effects of social media in our lives to live lives, again, that don't glorify ourselves, but our lives glorify the heaven of Father above, right? Are you with me? All right. Well, the greatest impact and benefit for this series. Uh, for us as a church, we're going to be walking through this series looking at it through two different lenses from two different generations. I've asked Pastor Drayton and I to be teaching this together, two guys from different points of view who come from two different generations who have seen and experienced the impact of social media, and we've both come to the same conclusions. So now you're just going to hear it from the old guy, right? You're not going to hear from the old guy in the group like, oh, social media is horrible, blah, 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 blah. blah. Right? You're going to hear from Pastor Dre as well, walking like this is what it's doing to us as a society, and this is what it's doing to us as a church. You ready for this? All right, jump in your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're starting at verse 10 this morning. Philippians 4, verse 10. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 804. Philippians 4, verse 10, or page 804 the first struggle that we're going to be tackling in this series that we often face and fall prey to with social media is this idea of con- contentment Dania brought that up in our worship set this morning being content we've talked a little bit about contentment a few months ago in our greater than series that was a, an excellent series for you to go back and listen to if you missed it go to our podcast uh, but social media Man, that just breeds contentment, man, at lightning speeds. In fact, I believe social media is a petri dish for discontentment. It creates the perfect environments for the ugly to be born. Some are saying that right now, discontentment is an all-time high in human history. All-time high. Never before have so many people had so much only to want so much more. Think about this. Let's walk through this idea. This is what may happen. We open our social media apps and we look at the highlight reel of the lives of people around us that we're connected to, we're friends with, only to compare them to the behind scenes of our own lives. And if we're being honest, the highlight reel we see in the lives of others doesn't compare to the behind scenes of our own lives. They're never the same. And at that moment we're going through and we're scrolling, we may not feel, we may not experience the effects immediately, but let me just tell you the seed has been planted. You are you're a working mom, and you see all the stay-at-home moms' perfect Pinterest boards and crafts done with their kids. You see the pictures on social media that show them their midday swim parties, and all the little kids are smiling and have their popsicles, and it's all over their face. You know what I'm talking about, Right? right? And it's leaving you feeling guilty inside that you're not home with your own children. Stay-at-home moms. You look, you look at the, the working mom, and you long, to, as you would put it, like, I would long to have a life. Man, I would love to go out in public, but you feel trapped at home with these things called gremlins. I mean, your children, right? <laughs> I love kids. I love your kids. Um, you're feeling dissatisfied, right? Because you feel like all I do is put my hair in a ponytail and you forgot what real life is because you haven't seen, you feel like you haven't seen another adult or have adult conversation since 2015, right? That's real stuff. You have two people, different worlds, comparing lives, longing to what the other has. That is discontentment and it happens on social media. Maybe it's all the perfect food pics. You see it from your friends. They share while they're out at all the restaurants. They're having lobster, steak, shrimp, and you look down at your dinner table and you're eating Hamburger Helper. And you hate Hamburger Helper. Right? Maybe it's pictures of your friends. They're all together and you weren't invited. Maybe it's looking at someone's car. They just bought a brand new car and this idea of the hashtag I just done a thing, right? I did an adult thing and it's beautiful car and you look out the window to your own car and it's a rust bucket, right? Or it's got a huge dent in the back bumper because you just backed up into a tree and you're thinking, oh boy, I wish I could have that car. You get the idea, right? We just see it and something happens. In our hearts, lust, envy, desire, we feel like a failure, a mistake, we're lost. Social media breathes discontentment. And if we're not careful, it will break us down. We will want what they have, be who they are. It will steal the joy out of our lives, and we will never fully appreciate or be grateful for all that we have been given. This is the first time, this is the first time in human history that we are measuring our worth by likes, hearts, shares, and comments. I'm only something in this world if so many people like or heart my post, or if they comment Man, why do they only give me a thumbs up and like it? Why didn't they heart what I put up there? Why didn't they say something about what I put up there, right? That's what we are gauging our worth to, and it's trash. It's crushing people, and it's destroying the life to the full that God has for his children. So what do we do? How do we find contentment? Getting off social media isn't the fix, right? That's just a Band-Aid to the problem. The problem that we have to work through and fight through and shape is the condition of the human heart. See, almost 2,000 years ago, a follower of Jesus shared an ancient secret of contentment. And this morning, we're going to open up God's Word. You're already there, and we're going to find out what it is. The book of Philippians was, written, was a letter written by Paul and he was writing to the churches of the city of Philippi. And if you were to study the letter personally, in fact, if you go back to the beginning of chapter four, it says, therefore my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for and my joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord in this way. So you understand and study this letter, you'll see that Paul had a deep love, appreciative relationship with his people in Philippi. And so he loved them so much, he was willing to call them out, plain and simple, for what's happening in their lives. He wrote this letter. While he was writing this letter, he was in house arrest, by the way, and he was sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with all around. And if you have your Bibles open, your Bible apps on your smartphones, Uh, let's get into this at verse 10. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Let's just stop right there. I absolutely love that Paul started his conversation this way because he starts saying that I have a secret. I have a secret that I'm going to be sharing with you, God's people. And we all love secrets, right? Someone says, man, I got a secret for, you. I got a secret for you. What are you going to do? You're going to zip your lips or you're going to lean in and listen. Right? You're like, are you going to hear? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Right? And we get that way inside. We want to hear the secret. And so Paul is setting us up to share the secret, what it means to be content. How do we become content in life? And the very first thing he says, the first step for us, the contentment in our lives, is simply to learn it. Point number one, to learn it. We need to learn contentment. He says, I have learned to be content. And he says, I have shared my real life situations. I know what it feels like to be on both sides, Plenty, want, hungry, well-fed. I know what it looks like. I know how discontent can slide into our lives and reveal its ugly head. He says, no, no, no. The first thing to battle that off is knowledge. You need to learn to be content. And here's the beauty of this. Because it's a learned thing, it can be an everyone thing. You catch me on that? Because it can be learned, we all can step in and grab a hold of it because we're all smart people in this room. You are. We can learn things together. And we need to learn to be content. You know, it's really easy for us to talk about being grateful and content and not actually be grateful and content at all. Too many times we all are looking for that one more. Too many times we're looking for that one more, that one more project to be completed, one more business deal to be closed, one more dollar to be made, one more vacation to be taken, one more thing from that my Amazon cart, just one more relationship, just one more like, just one more share, just one more comment, just one more. We think that one more just one more and we'll be satisfied. But it never happens, does it? It never leaves us walking away feeling warm and filled and appreciated and have worth. We continue to pine and look for that one more. Unfortunately, it's our human nature to look around in our lives to be satisfied wanting more. There's a guy who lived way before Paul, and his name's King Solomon. He talks about this, and this dude had more, let me just tell you. It says in chapter 2, Ecclesiastes, verses 10 and 11, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was all my reward for all my toil. Yet, when I served all that my hands had done, and what had been toiled to achieve... Everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Again, this guy had absolutely everything. And he said it was for nothing. We need to know what it looks like to be content. Understand what it feels. Know what it means. There's a reason why back in verse 8... Paul shares what he says, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, he says, think on these things. Paul is telling us we need to change our mindsets. We need to be filling it with knowledge and becoming content, learning what it means. But that's where we keep it. We still lose. We can't just learn it we need to put it into practice. We truly learn it by actually putting it in practice. That's step number two. We need to practice it. We need to learn it, and then we need to practice it. Learning is the first step. Putting it into practice is, is the next. Knowing is one thing, but living it is another. James, Jesus' brother, chapter 1, verse 22, tells us, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Look what it says. Do what it. Live it out. Don't just learn it and read it and understand it. Live it out. Why? Because he understands the action is where the rubber meets the road and our hearts are changed. It's not just saying it's doing. We need to live it out. Contentment doesn't become real in our lives until it becomes experienced in our lives. Let me give you a real practical example. I think many of us in this room have walked through or I talked about. How many times has someone told you, don't pray for patience? <laughs> well, I'm not going to pray for patience because you know when I do, when I'm at going to be in situations, I'm going to have to be patient. Right? Don't pray for patience because we know God's going to put us into situations where we have to learn to be patient. Right? You know what I say to those people who don't pray for those things? They don't really want to learn it. They just want to know it. They want to know what it feels like to be patient. They don't want to walk through the process of living it out and becoming a patient fruit of the Spirit, by the way. It doesn't become real until it becomes becomes experienced. We need to experience contentment. It's just like everything else in our lives. Driving a car. You can learn how to drive a car by people telling you what it is and know how to do the old things. But until you get on the open road and actually do it, it's a whole new world, isn't it? Flying a plane. You can do aviator simulators all day long, but let me just try, put you in a plane and see what you can do. I'm not riding with you. (laughs) Eating snow, not yellow snow, snow. It's just, oh, that's amazing. What about that first kiss? Come on, you think about it, that first kiss, you're like, You thought about it, and then it happened. You look, then it became real. That was just awkward. (laughs) Right? It needs to be practiced. It needs to be lived out. We learn it, we practice it. In fact, Paul tells us back in verse 9 this exact same thing. Look at this on the screen. Chapter 4, verse 9. He puts the answers in front. He says, whatever you have learned, there it is, Learned or received or heard from me or seen in me what does it say, Church? You read it. Put it into practice, baby. Make it real in your life. Make it experience in what you're doing, and the God of peace will be with you. That's the same when it comes to contentment. We need to put it into practice. And when we do this, we learn what it is and put it in practice in life. We, we do this by cultivating a heart of gratitude. When we cultivate gratitude, we crush comparison. When we cultivate a heart of gratitude, we step on discontentment in our lives and say, you don't belong. We must discipline our minds and our hearts to see the goodness of God and what he has given in our lives, his work in our lives, and, the, what he, and rejoicing what he's doing in the lives of other people. That's because, building a heart of gratitude. Friends, a mouth of praise and a heart of discontentment cannot coexist in the same person at the same time. If so, one of them is lying. You can't sing praises to God, I love you so they will not and have this deep-rooted discontentment in your heart. I wish I had more. I wish you'd done more. That doesn't work. One of those is lying. If someone around me has been given a blessing or a promotion or a kid or a spouse, whatever it may be, we want to be purely excited for them in the same way we want them to be purely excited for us if they were in our shoes or we were in their shoes. I don't need to tell you this, but there's no bigger killjoy in life than having someone have something great happen in your life and have a friend come along all sulking and all the whole time talking about how I wish it was them. Or you're so lucky, I'm so excited for you. I'm sure it's happened to you. And I'm sure you've done it to somebody. Practice contentment by displaying genuine gratitude. And the third step is keep it at all costs. We need to learn it. We need to practice it. And then we need to keep it. Very, very simple. Contentment is learned needs to be put in in the roads of our lives, but we need to be kept. And Paul shares the secret of it all, where it comes from, how do we hold on to it, how do we learn, how do we fight through it, how it's all made possible. In verse 13, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I know what it means to be in need. I know what it means to have plenty. I know what it means to be hungry, and I know what it means to be well-fed. I do all this stuff. I can go all this stuff. I know the secret of being content, and that secret is Jesus. And I love this. This is so, like, such a church answer. What you learn today? Jesus. What do you talk about today? Jesus. Yes. You want to be content. You want to be, get rid of all this, to contend your life. You want a heart of gratitude that lives it out in front of all the people in your life, embracing all that God has for you. You need Jesus. It's not finally getting what we wanted. It's knowing and understand that all we have been given is found in Jesus that I know that all these things in the world that I may pine for, desire, and lust after, and go after, like, they don't compare. I find I have all the riches of Christ in me. It's realizing, church, we've been already been given the most precious gift and forever that can be given. That is eternal life. What we're discontent about what people have or what they're doing or what they look like doesn't compare to what you have in Jesus Christ. It's not a new hairdo. Look at my highlights. It's not a new countertop. It's not a family. It's not kids. It's not a spouse. You don't find it anything else or anyone else. Jesus. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message translation. You see it on the screen. He says, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Come on. And when we're walking around in life, scrolling through our feeds, filled with discontentment, wanting what they have, wish I had them. I don't want to see them anymore, so I'm going to unfollow them. We're going to stay friends, but I'm going to unfollow them. And I da 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 What we're doing is we're looking up to God and say, you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough. You didn't give me enough. I know that sounds harsh, but that's what discontentment is telling us. That's what it's saying to him. Until we see, church, the gift of Jesus for what it truly is, I feel that we will always be playing mind games with ourselves. Trying to be grateful. Maybe even acting it out a little bit. But deep in our hearts, we remain unsatisfied. Paul knew this. He loved the people that he was writing to dearly. And he gives us one verse in verse 19, chapter 4. He says, and my God, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And that's for you and I too. So can you get on your social media. You're be battling being discontent. Understand it's learned. It's practiced. And you keep it by keep on coming back to the most precious, not even a secret. I can't believe he calls it a secret because we proclaim it all the time. Jesus. Who are you in Jesus? What do you have in Jesus? So where are you? Where is your heart right now this morning? Do you have a heart of full of gratitude? Or do you see yourself getting on your social media feeds and feeling discontent? What are your next steps that you need to take To rid yourself of that worldly junk and grab a hold of everything that you are in Jesus. I wanted to give you three things to do for the next seven days. Three things. Thank God every day for all that you have been given. When your feet hit the ground, Thank you, Jesus, for all I have. When you go in the kitchen and your kids just blew up everything, thank you, Jesus, for all I have. When the car won't start, when you're late for work, when the garbage is spilled by the dog, whatever it may be, thank you, Jesus, for all I have. Number two, praise God. Every day, for what he's doing in the lives of others. Thank you, Jesus, for me and what you're doing for me. Praise you, Jesus, for what you're doing for. Take the focus off yourself. Put it on someone else. Jesus came and did that. It's not about me, it's what I came to do for you. Praise you, God for what you're doing in the lives of blank. And then find one way each day to celebrate someone else. Thank God for what he's doing in your life, all you have. Praise him for what he's doing in the lives of other people. And find one way to celebrate them you want to step on discontentment on the face and develop a heart of Jesus filled with gratitude, do these three things. Every day for the next seven days and see what God's doing inside of you. Maybe social media won't be such a hard look anymore. Because you're too busy praising him and thanking him and celebrating others. Can you do that, church? All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And God, we thank you for Jesus. We can do all things, all these things, fighting this broken, discontented heart because of what Jesus has done and how he lives within us. You give us the strength. You give us the focus. We thank you. We praise you. So God, as we walk through this world, that you already know it's been totally consumed by the digital social media platform. Help us, your children, your church, be the light of something different. Help us be the people who we're called to be singing praises for you. And help us fight what our old self may want and continue to pursue our new self in you. We love you. We worship you. In your son's holy name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.